God, we thank you for all that you do. And we don't know what you're going to do in the future as a church or individuals. But we do know that we're excited <laughs> about what you're going to do. Even when we don't have all the answers, we just want to see you move in our own lives, in our congregation, in this county. It's not about Grace Free Church. Who cares about a name and a brand? It's just about you. Uh, we ask that you'd make this moment here where we're jumping to your word about you. We need to see you. We need to hear your voice. We need more of you. So help us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You ready to rock and roll? I am. This is the part I love, this part. Uh, we've been in our guide rail series, and because we don't have a lot of time because of that little family chat, um, I wanna, we're just going to skip all the review. Guide rails are how we stay on the right road and how we know the direction God's leading us. They're tools to add to our life to help those things. And they're good for churches. They're good for individuals. We all need guide rails. Um, Ours start with Jesus is center and people are second. We're worked all the way through a bunch of these down here to the second to last guide rail we have. Number nine is this. It's we aren't perfect, but we are growing. We aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Surprise, surprise. But hopefully I am growing. That's our guide rail. Listen, I have a confession to make. There's a whole lot of times in life where I feel like I'm not good enough. You ever feel like that? You ever look at maybe the challenges you face at work or in your relationships? Like some, some kind of hurdle or obstacle you're feeling? And when you look in the mirror, you're not thinking like, wow, Josh, you got it all together. Everything's going great. Look at you. You're just doing spectacular this morning. Let's just golf clap it out. Get ready for your day. It's going to be a thriller. That's not me. When I look in the mirror and I'm faced with life's challenges, with the struggles I have, the, kind of the default that I keep clicking back to is, I'm not good enough. <laughs> I'm not good enough, right? Like, I feel that tension all the time in my heart. And I want to say, like, I'm just not a good enough dad. I'm just not a good enough husband. I'm just not a good enough pastor. I'm just not a good enough friend. I wish I could be better in these areas, I'm just not good enough. It's a general feeling, I think, that happens to a whole lot of us when we look at life and the challenges we're facing and the relationship struggles we have and all the things just kind of affirm this over and over and over again, this feeling like maybe I'm just not good enough for what lies ahead of me. So we try harder. That's what we do. We try harder. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better pastor. I'm going to dig in and work hard and do everything. I'm just going to try and try and try until I get it right. But then I keep finding that the more I keep trying to make myself better, the more I keep trying to grow spiritually, emotionally, relationally, the more I keep trying to get my act together on my own strength, the more I just keep on messing it up. And my failures affirm what I thought from the beginning. I'm not good enough. Your failures, your failures, they don't, we don't see those as opportunities for growth. That's what they are. 
There are opportunities for growth. When, instead, when we look at our failures, we don't see opportunities. We see affirmations. Affirmations of all our insecurities, all the way we mess things up, all the ways we've failed, all the ways we've got it wrong before, and all the ways we're probably going to get it wrong next. It happens all the time, and it even happens to people spiritually. I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not good enough for God. Can I tell you how many people have come in here and looked around at the walls weird, and I'm like, what's up, dude? You all right? Like, you really like the paint scheme or those weird things we got up there? Like, I don't know what's going on. And they're like, I'm just waiting for the place to catch on fire because I'm finally back to church, right? Like, a whole lot of people feel like this in their relationship with God. I got to be better for God to love me. I got to be better for him to accept me. I got to be better. You, you look around at people singing, right? And they're like, uh, they're like singing their hearts out at the worship song. Oh, like, you know, and like tears are coming down. And you're like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel that? You have no idea what's going on in their heart, right? Like, you just compare yourself to them. And what happens spiritually is we think, I'm not as mature as I should be. I'm not as good as I should be. I keep making these mistakes over and over again. i got to try harder. And so we try to be better and to grow on our own strength. And what inevitably happens is your own strength runs out when it's up against circumstances in your life that are bigger than you. And you fail. And then you think, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for God. I'm not a good enough Christian. I can't do this thing. And then eventually, and some of you have people in this. Hopefully it's not you. I hope this isn't you. I hope sitting here is a, is a sign that this isn't you. But you probably have people in your life that have given up on God because they've been trying to do it on their own strength. And they keep failing over and over again. And they think, I must not be good enough for God. So why try? There's this incredible encounter in the book of Mark. I think that captures something really important about how God feels about us and these illusions of perfection, these expectations of perfection that we sometimes place on others and a lot of times place on ourselves. And it has something to do with spiritual growth. Because we don't have a lot of time this morning, I just want to tell you part of it and then read a couple verses of it, but I'd encourage you to dig into it on your own. And it's a passage found in Mark chapter 9 and verse 14 through 29. We're not going to read all of it, but let me just give you a little clip, picture of what's going on. It's this dad. I think he was a good dad. I think by his actions you can tell that he, he cared really deeply about his, his son, though his son had been up against it since birth. He was, this kid was demon-possessed and would often have fits and seizures because of this and foam at the mouth and throw himself in the fire. And as any good parent, when your kid is hurting or struggling or sick, man, it just kills you inside. You do anything, right, to help fix that, to make it better. You, you want to be able to do anything to fix it and make it better. This father put in... Tons of effort. He had heard about Jesus somewhere along the road and maybe had heard about Jesus casting out other demons. Maybe had heard about Jesus healing the blind, doing some of these signs that they all said were signs of the Messiah, the Savior of the world coming. And so he thought, I just got to get this kid in front of Jesus. I don't know what happened when this actually 
uh, what was kind of going on, but Jesus is kind of away from his disciples, and I don't know, maybe he's talking to somebody, he's doing something else, and his, this, this father, he comes with his son, and the first kind of group of people that he speaks to, maybe out of desperation, maybe, I, I don't know why, were Jesus' disciples, maybe thought, well, they should know, they should be able to fix it, these guys are his people, and if, if he is who everybody's saying he is, and, and these guys are where I need to go to get help. He comes up to his, Jesus' disciples, he's telling them what's been going on, and he's asking the disciples to heal, and the disciples are trying and failing on healing his son and casting the demons out. Because when you try on your own strength, failure and frustration are what await you. I don't care what you're trying. Trying to fix your relationship on your own strength Failure and frustration await you. Trying to fix your purpose and meaning, trying to fix your broken heart on your own strength, trying to fix your life on your own strength, failure and frustration are what's waiting for you. Your own strength will always run out. The disciples tried to fix it on their own strength, and it didn't work. And Jesus sees the commotion, and he comes over to them, and they say, he's like, what's going on here? And his father cuts the line, jumps in front of the disciples, says, this is what's going on here. My son, he's hurting. He's going through all this stuff. He's possessed. And like, I brought him to your disciples to heal, and, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus kind of rebukes the disciples because of their lack of faith, and they hadn't been paying attention, which is good because... I don't pay attention all the time either, right? Like sometimes I struggle with my lack of faith and Jesus kept these disciples with him. He loved these disciples. He just helped them grow on their journey with him. Jesus says, okay, and the father, he has a conversation with him and he's, he says this at the end of that story. Um, he, he says, uh, how long has he been like this? And the father says, it's often thrown him into the fire water to kill him, but if you, do, if, if you can do anything. That's how we pray to God. If you can do anything. If you, not if you will, if you would. My prayers look like, do your prayers look like this? If you can do anything, take pity on us and help. You have this father in this question admitting that he's not sure. I'm not sure if God's going to show up. I'm not sure if God's there. Maybe you've said things like this. I'm not sure if God's really here for me. I'm not sure if he can really do what he says. I'm not sure if he's really going to keep his promises to me. I'm not sure. His dad, in his desperation, has this very honest moment in front of Jesus. Jesus calls him on it in 23. If you can... Everything is possible for one who believes. Now, it's not the main part of this passage, but I feel compelled to say that there are people here, maybe you, who are sitting here who just need to hear this. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Everything is possible for him. I know the loneliness is overwhelming. You feel like nobody sees you and you'll always be alone. Yes, he can. I know you're struggling and you're not sure if you can make it, but you're wondering if with him, maybe you could. Yes, he can. 
if you can. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed this. Now, lock this in. Remember this. This is one of the most beautiful things. Exclaim to Jesus, God on earth. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I can't tell you how many times I have prayed this in my lifetime. This is beautiful, like, admission here in this counter, in, in this in, encounter with Jesus. He, he first says, if you can, and then he says, like, I believe, but I'm struggling to believe. Can you help me believe better? I'm trying, but I'm not doing very good at it. Can you help me get there? I'm really struggling right now. I don't think I have what it takes. I want to be there. I want to grow. I want to be better. I want to follow you. I just don't know if I have it. I don't know if I have it. Can you help? I don't know if I have it to put the pieces of my life back together. I don't know if I have it to fix this relationship. I don't know if I have it to follow you. I don't know if I'm good enough. Can you help me? In my weak space. Jesus loves this response. And before the crowd rushes over and all the commotion ensues that was crowds and Jesus, he heals the boy how happy that father must have been. See, perfection is not the expectation that God has on you, even though you have it for yourself. Here in this encounter, what he was looking for was not a picture of perfect faith. He was looking for the honest confession of this heart. God is more than willing to step into your weak spaces, the spaces you keep trying on your own and finding frustration and disappointment. He's more than willing to step in there. There is only one way to achieve perfection, and it's through him. It's through him. Romans 3, 23 and 24 in the New Living Translation, it says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter who you are, no matter what life has looked like, no matter what labels, it is true for you if you believe in the perfect one. See, he sanctifies you. He begins a work that he will complete. It's a promise in Philippians 1.6. And you'll never experience or see perfection until you get to heaven. But until then, through faith in Christ, he sees you as holy and blameless because of what Jesus has done for you. That's why we say, come as you are. No perfect people allowed here. You don't have to pretend to have it all together. You don't have to dress it up to come to church. You don't have to hide your tattoos. You don't have to dress pretty. I mean, I do, but... It doesn't mean you have to. <laughs> you don't have to act like you have your life all together. You don't have to somehow put on this like smiley spiritual place. You don't have to act like you have better morals than the people on your block. You don't have to do any of that. This is a space to come and to encounter 
this one who says, if? Yeah. Yeah, I can do it. And a place where we come and say, God, I want to, but I can't. I need you. This is a picture of perfect imperfection. This is a picture of a God who graciously meets you where you are. He's not waiting for you to put it all together to show his love for you or to show up for you. He's willing to meet you right where you are. It's also a picture of growth, a beautiful kind of picture of growth. You see, what I love that happens here by the end of this, instead of trying harder, he comes to a point where he realizes he just kind of needs to submit and depend on God. It's this picture here, right? Like, sometimes it's important to try. Like, Jesus says, be perfect as my Father is perfect. And then he tells us, shows us that that's only achieved through what he does for us and through our relationship with him. And there's passages in Romans 7 where um, Paul is like, hey, listen, what I do, want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I keep doing. You ever been like that? Like, you ever have that be like your motto? Where's the bumper sticker for that? Like, there's a whole long list of things that I want to do, that I know I should do, that I don't do. And there's a whole long list of things that I know I shouldn't do. I don't want to do them, but I do them anyway. You with me? Like, here's the real encouragement. Look around the room. Everybody else is screwed up here, too. You're welcome. And so is Paul. So is Paul. Because he's like, I want to do what I, I want to do this right thing, but I can't do it. I don't want to do this wrong thing, but I keep doing it. And then if you like look at other passages where he writes it with this kind of honesty, like Philippians chapter 3, he says, like, I've not made it yet. How many of you are there? Like, stop pretending you've made it as a dad. You're not there yet. I'm not there yet. Like, right? Like, there's still time. I ruin the Cheerios in the morning for everybody. Like, I'm not, I haven't made it. That's so encouraging to me, Paul, in Philippians, where he's like, I'm not there yet. I haven't achieved everything I want to achieve. I'm not where I should be. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm not where I should be either. I should be better by now at this whole parenting thing. I should be a better husband. I should be a better pastor. I got the outfit locked in, but I could, be, I could improve a little bit. I could imp you know, like I'm not there yet. And then he says, but I do this one thing, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is in front. I press on to reach the goal for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. Come as you are. But don't stay that way. You're a mess. I'm a mess. You're in a room full of people who are a mess. We just dress it up differently. Welcome to the club. So were all the people in the Bible. All of them struggled. But don't sit in your mess. Don't stay there. You don't have to stay there. Come as you are, but don't stay that way because there's all areas in our life where we could use growth. And growth is not about us trying harder. It's about us being willing to submit and to let God do his work in our hearts. And through faith in his grace, he sanctifies us.
He makes us new. Here's just a couple of keys I want to give you because we're running out of time. Just a couple of keys about growth, and then we're out. And I would encourage you, like, read these stories from the Bible this week, and we just have not had enough time this morning because of our little family chat to, like, really jump into it. But here's five keys I have for you that maybe, maybe these help you when, it, when you think about growth. Realize that good enough, being good enough, is not about what you do for you. You'll never get there. Being good enough is not about what you do for you. It's about what God does in you and through you. He's the one who prepares you, who grows you, who has you ready for whatever challenge you have to face in life next. He works on you from the inside out. Being good enough is not about reading the right books. It's not about doing the right exercises. It's not about figuring out the right stuff. It's not about learning all the right verses. Being good enough is about being willing to let God do something in and through you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just to end this, this kind of like captures this whole bit. Paul says this. He says, um, yeah, 2 Corinthians, sorry, it's not chapter 9, it's chapter 12. He says, but he said to me, and, and this, you could read this whole chapter, the end of chapter 11 and, and the whole chapter 12, um, but I'm just going to read a part. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, he is strong. First, realize good enough is about what God does in you. Second, don't pretend to be perfect. You don't have to pretend to be perfect here. You can lose that baggage. It's heavy. It's burdensome. You're doing a dance that's exhausting and one that will never end. You can drop the whole perfect facade. None of us are perfect. Work on three, showing grace to others. It says in Romans 15.1, check it out later, that we're supposed to bear with others who are struggling. And guess what? That's a good habit to get into because people need to bear with you too. Did you know that? Some of you take a lot of bearing. <laughs> show grace to others and show grace to yourself. And maybe that's the area we struggle with most. I was just talking to one of our elders and after the membership meeting out in the parking lot and he used to tell me something. I said, man... Don't forget to share grace with yourself, too. And he's like, that's the hardest part. It's easy to show grace to other people. It's really hard to show grace to myself. You're probably there. You probably know what I'm talking about. It's his grace that's sufficient for you. That's it. It's his grace that makes his power made perfect in your weakness. It's his grace that we need most. Show it to yourself. Number four, don't forget where you started. Sometimes we have this expectation of others that they're where we're at, like especially parents with their kids. We don't say it out loud, but like, why aren't they like me? I have it all. I have it figured out. Like, I have this faith thing figured out. Why aren't they here? We forget that 
We've been through it, you know. It was a journey to get where we are today. We made plenty of mistakes. We had to learn a lot of lessons. We look at everybody else, and we don't, we just want them to be where we're at because that feels safer. Like the, but they got to learn their own lessons, and they got to make their faith their own. Don't forget where you started. In Corinthians, Paul reminds the people, like, don't forget, some of you once were, and now you're not. Remember where you've come from. Remember how far God has brought you. And number five, be willing to follow. Following Jesus will stretch you. It'll be challenging. Steps of faith always are. That's why they're called steps of faith and not just steps. They're always challenging. They're always a stretch. Every step of faith we've made as a church and as a pastor at some point or another has scared the snot out of me. But if you are willing to follow him, he always, always proves faithful. And it is always worth it. He says, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Spiritual growth is not about creating this some expectation that we need to be perfect and then trying hard till we get there. Spiritual growth is about being dependent and on God and willing to keep bringing our weaknesses to him and asking him to meet us in the space of our weakness and to demonstrate his strength through our lives. I pray that for our church. This is not a perfect place. There are no perfect people, but we're growing. I pray that that could always be said of me, that I'm not perfect, but I'm growing. I pray it could be said of you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for showing up in the space of our weaknesses. For this incredible moment where this father who's heartbroken said, I want to believe. <laughs> I believe, but you got to help me get there. I can't. I want to grow, but you got to help us get there. We want to be better, but you got to help us get there. We want to drop some of these addictions, but you got to help us get there. We need you, God, to show up in our lives. Help us to be willing to let you do your thing in our hearts. Help us to trust you on the process. In Jesus' name, amen.